Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everyone? And welcome to this <sighs> week's episode, uh, two months of reflection episode of Stay Grounded. Georgina, welcome back. I have missed you. <laughs> so you missed a month, but we get double the fun today. So very happy to be back. Yeah, it's like I was telling you before we started recording. This is the first like recorded monthly reflection that I've missed in almost 18 or 19 months. And I forgot how much I missed them because a lot happens in a month. But when I actually come back and look at like two months and I try to look at the trends, I've, I haven't actually had a month or a, a reflection where I've been able to like look over two months mm-hmm. and see the journey of where I was at beginning of September coming off of Burning Man to like, because my reflection that we did in September had a lot of Burning Man. I guess that was like a big kickoff for September, but it wasn't the full month. And then like to where I'm at now, it's amazing truly what can happen in a month of consistent reflection, of consistently doing the the work. I, I guess, I, you know, I keep saying the work, but it's learning to expand as a soul, mm. which is learning to liberate yourself from fear. Mm-hmm. learning to lean into those hard conversations, learning to allow yourself to be seen and messy, allowing yourself to put things out there before they're finished, allowing yourself to like, it's like whatever your frequency of fear stops you from truly expressing and living into that is your path. And that is your work. And that is what I find to be the most grounding about these episodes is that I get the consistent reminder that fear is not real. And the consistent reminder that, Yes, there's adversity and difficulty in life, but we all get to lean into our fears, our anxieties, our nervous system responses. We get to expand in the directions that our souls really crave, which is in every direction. They, the soul is infinitely capable of experiencing unlimited joy, confidence, compassion, peace. And the only thing stopping us from experiencing all that is fear. Great opening. So. Where do you feel you are right now? If you have to kind of put a stake in the ground and explore where you are, like where are you right now? I'm trusting more than I ever have. Like, you know, September for me was a really powerful month because I came off of Burning Man and I committed myself to start talking about projects that I was that I wasn't ready to talk about yet. I announced Liberate, which mm-hmm. is my new company, inside of our webinar that I did a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, I had talked about a lot of the work I was doing with the Humans Are Good Foundation and, you know, announced our, like a, a test pilot, if you would, or like a training that we've been developing to take people through the work. And September was really triggering for me because I don't know if I was ready. My last company, Java Press, or the, the first company I launched, I guess I've, I've done other things since Java Press, but like the first company I ever launched, I was so afraid of being seen in the early stages of the company that I didn't actually tell anyone that I had, that I was an entrepreneur, that I had this entrepreneurial venture until we were making multiple millions a year. And then all of a sudden my friends that I went to college with, like I, all the people that I had like met, they're like, what, when did you start this? Like, and I was like, oh yeah, just something I did. And I didn't want to show the journey because I was so, because I had these deeper insecurities about what it meant about me. If I was seen, Mm-hmm. If I'd be seen failing or if I was seen starting small or like if I was seen as like not having fully finished products or, and so the journey for me with this project has been really liberating because I'm almost like I'm recalibrating my relationship to fear and failure. And I am reshifting what it means to build something that people really want and like creating it from the ground up and recognizing that there's messiness in the creation process 
you get a lot of feedback and then you're like, oh shit, I didn't see that coming. I got to make this better. And then you like iterate and you continue making things better, but you don't actually know how to do that until you put yourself out there. And so it's this wild phase of like, in order to build something truly special and magnificent, you have to actually launch something before it's ready because that's the only way you're going to find out how to make something truly, truly, truly transformative. So you have this old experience of almost getting to this point of perfection and success in your definition before you're willing to show the world and the people that knew you. But through this new company, you've had this experience of allowing yourself to be messy and that creativity and explore how things are unfolding. Well, and don't get me wrong. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like the last year I've been behind the scenes working on this, right? Yeah. So I put in a lot of work behind the scenes. So like, it's not that I, we announced a, an unfinished product. Mm-hmm. We're getting ready to officially announce Liberate in the new year in January or in Q1 of 2023. And so I just wasn't ready to, to like publicly start talking about stuff until then. So. Can you talk us through that journey then? Who were you then and who are you now that you've been able to show up in, in the new business in this new way? And what has that taught you about, about yourself? I think I'm more like, I, I think this next, and I, we were talking about this, like, I think the best way to really explain this is, you know, earlier this month, I had an opportunity to, to talk about precision emotional healing, talk about liberate, talk about everything we've been building over the last year on a stage to about 200 different physicians and naturopaths and doctors. And I got to you know, share the stage with Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's an idol of mine and somebody who I've been doing the meditations deeply all September. Like he's been like my anchor, like really, truly, like I do his meditations every day, like just connecting to that quantum and that feeling of like unlimited expansion and moving through any fears and limitations that exist in my body so that I can truly connect to that frequency of liberation, which is, you know, truly, I think what I felt at Burning Man too, but I think Joe Dispenza was my integration process of Journey of Burning Man. And when I got on stage, you know, I presented and it was an incredible talk. If you guys want to watch it, you can head to my Facebook page, just look up Raj Jana and you, it's like pinned on my Facebook page. You can just watch it there. But what was powerful was when I saw Joe Dispenza speak, you know, two days after I gave my talk, I was in tears because he gave the same talk I did, I had a five minute slot. He had a hour and a half long slot, you know, but he gave the same exact talk that I gave in five minutes over an hour and a half and backed it with research and science and everything that I believe in, which is that physical disease first begins as an emotional component. And we don't actually in, in society, we really don't address the emotional well. Like we don't actually integrate emotional healing into like cancer treatments, into you know, these different types of physical ailments, infertility treatments, like we don't, we don't actually do and incorporate physical, emotional healing into this realm of physical healing. And there's a disconnect between the allopathic traditional medical model and the holistic model. And there's just this disconnect. And for me to be in that room and witness Dr. Joe Dispenza get a standing ovation from 200 doctors, I I was like in tears. This happened the first week of October and I was in absolute tears because I I felt so grateful that he was getting that recognition. And and that's the difference between where I was five years ago when I started my business. I didn't really care what I was selling. I didn't really care about the mission of what I was selling. Like I was just selling coffee and coffee products I wanted. Like what I built then was from the foundation of fear, which was I don't like my job. I need to get out of it. And it was very much like, scarcity minded. What I'm creating now, I feel like is from the foundation of love and service. And so like when I see other people win in the field, I don't feel competition. I feel collaboration. I feel compersion, which is like the opposite of jealousy for someone else getting recognition. I I feel surrendered. Like I don't actually feel like I need to be the one in the driver's seat doing everything. I, I, I've been forced to surrender a lot more with this project than I have with any other project I've ever built. Like the previous projects, like I could, you know, be the one in charge and do all the things. And my ego really loved that. My ego loved being a jack of all trades. My ego loved being the one that was like brought on stages to teach business who like my ego loved that. Like I love getting called on Amazon stages and physical product stages and like entrepreneur stages to go and like talk about how I was amazing at what I do. And this next 
part is not about, it's actually not about that. Like it's not about me getting any recognition in that way. It's about this vision and this idea getting and catching fire and me serving that. So it's like, what needs to happen in order for that to take fire? You know, how many pitches do I need to give to investors? I've given close to about 60, 70 pitches in the last, you know, year probably. And that's not a lot in the grand scheme of things, but it's a lot for Raj. Like it's for somebody who's never raised capital before. Like it's like getting into that phase of like, and, and every time it's like every no I get is another opportunity to like, to, to refine it and twist it until I do find those yeses, which we have. And like, but that's, but I have to now deal with my fear of failure. Like, what does it mean about me? So it's like the process of surrendering to the creation in this phase of my life is actually allowing me to process all of those deeper insecurities. So it's like, to me, the path of creation for me in this chapter of my life, for this next iteration of the game for me is like, I have to heal all the things that are attaching to like this idea of Raj in order for this thing to actually come to life. Because if I go out there and I'm like, this has to be Raj's thing and Raj's way and done in my way, who wants to collaborate with that? It's requiring a different level of creation and collaboration and different level of leadership for me, which was very different than what I did before, which was build my company away from everybody, not tell anyone what I was doing until it was finished. And so that's the difference. It's this, it feels much more like a we. It's a consciousness that's being developed instead of it being like a me. And those are the different levels of creation. I think they're, they're both beautiful. There's nothing wrong with either, right? It's just where I'm at in my journey over the last few years. I've done so much journey work and so much personal inner work to resolve a lot of my attachments to success, my attachments to money, my attachments to like what things need to look like in the world, like my own relationship with myself. And so like, it's gotten to this place now where I feel like there's this opportunity to create from a much more whole energy that inspires everyone to step into the greatest versions of themselves, whether it's my team members, my investors, everyone listening to this podcast, anybody that we serve through our, our app and our, you know, our, our communities, like anything we do, it's about in creating that, that environment of elevation and, and celebration and courage instead of fear, scarcity, mine. Like that's, 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 I think the paradigm that I was operating from. And I think there's a very different energy that's flowing through me now for this chapter of creation. Mm. Oh, I love that distinction. I think you summed it up so perfectly when you said the old project was like a me project and this is more of a we project. And I'm just really getting that sense of how liberate you called it. This new project is how it's just so expansive and how, it has the capacity to to almost grow into what it needs to be rather than in a me project. It's more about what I want it to be. Like now you have this space to enable it to do its work in the world. And that just, that feels, that feels so empowering. That's such a yeah beautiful place to be. It feels, um, it's taken me almost four years to get here. Mm-hmm. And I can see how that transformation, that shift from the me to the we, we almost need more of those projects given the challenges we're facing as a, a global community having projects that are serving the collective or serving a purpose that is almost detached from the individual. So there's capacity for other people to come in and other creative ideas to enhance what someone maybe starts. That feels good. That feels like like it's fueled with hope and filled with hope. Well, the foundation is love. Mm -hmm. This is what I actually realized. It's the foundation of love, the foundation of collaboration, the foundation of It's like this foundation of following what inspires us. It's this foundation of people being in the right roles and feeling nourished and excited being in the right roles. It's about honest communication. It's about doing the work together. There's so many elements of this that, you know, I think the foundation, there's a foundational element of vulnerability and implied inside of love that I think is very different than what was, what my old, operating system could even comprehend or understand. Like I could never comprehend talking about my failures publicly to people 
in the way that I have on this podcast, in the way that I did on that stage, where I actually talked about my erectile dysfunction on stage, like to doctors. Like I talked about that as like a, a medical condition that was created by psychosomatic components. Like what? That actually shows the difference. Like the vulnerability is the difference. Like there's this level of heart and connection and love that's at the foundation. And I think when you build things from the foundation of love, it creates a much more sustainable future. I think that's what the world is craving next. And I realized for me, like things that weren't created from a foundation of love were very hard to maintain. Either I had team members burning, burning out or I had, you know, a lot of competition with other people in the space, cutthroat competition where it was like fight, 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 fight. Like it felt very lawsuits, you know, like all that. That was like energy of that. And I'm not saying this won't have elements of that. I'm not saying that every business is perfect, but what I'm getting at is like, I'm very mindful and intentional about the foundation. And I think the foundation starts with you, right? Like, I, I think this is where, and I, I, I truly believe that you are the common denominator in every part of your life. So it doesn't matter if it's creation. It doesn't matter if it's your intimate relationship. I think your intimate relationship is the most profound mirror for you to actually connect to that foundation of love within yourself. I truly actually believe that. Like, I think this is why intimacy and conscious partnership is like the gateway, I think, for all of us as a species and societies. Like, like we're both healing masculine and feminine dynamics, right? Like if you think about the masculine, like the world we've been operating on this intense masculine push, that's because we as a society, I think, have been conditioned to honor our masculine. But the best way to integrate that is in partnership with the feminine, right? So it's like women doing healing work with other women. It's women opening up and being allowed, being like being held by the masculine. Like there's a lot of healing that I think can happen. And I think you can do that in relationship. I think you can do that in community. And I think that's what the world is asking for. In fact, I think this idea of changing the world is not actually what is required. What's actually required is healing ourselves and liberating ourselves from these conditions that have kept us trapped in this old way of doing that isn't actually serving the planet. It's not serving our relationships. It's not serving our health. It's in fact, if you look at us right now, like we're sicker than we've ever been, right? Like, like there's a, a pendulum swing that's being asked to go. And that begins with us learning to come back to wholeness within ourselves. That's actually it. If I could ask every single human being on the planet to really prioritize one thing, it isn't going out there and changing the world. It's changing your relationship to yourself and letting that trickle down into the world and everyone you touch and everyone you communicate with. And that is, I think, the that is the foundation. Like You are the foundation. I've begun seeing that in myself and I see the impact that has on everyone else in my life. Everything else in my life, every person I touch, it all begins with me being right and whole and grounded in myself. Yeah, well, I think that's that's very true. Like we have most control over ourselves. So we can always do work to change and transform things on that local individual level. And then obviously that has that knock-on effect. And I think it's really valuable as well to be conscious of the of the systems and the structures that we live in that are influencing us and impacting us so that we can work in harmony then to see how changes we make individually, how they can then flow out and, and impact how we show up for each other, how we show up in society, like the kind of projects we get involved in. But I, I love this take you have about you as the foundation and doing that work on yourself. And I think you're right. Your intimate relationship is one of the most potent vehicles we have for that because what does intimacy call for? It calls for vulnerability. So let's talk about vulnerability and that as a, as a, as a tool and a, a lever for self-expression and self-empowerment and development, but also healing work? Well, I think that I would say your intimate relationship is a great dojo and container, right? And that's one dojo and container. I also think that, you know, your, your parents can be a very powerful part of your liberation process as well. Like, you know, like if you have the ability to work with your family, you know, I think the dojos that we create, community, intimate partnership, like these are where we actually do those deep, like we, we, we learn to hold space for each other. We learn to empower each other into deeper and deeper and deeper states of love, you know? And I think that, you know, your parents are a great barometer check, 
There's a lot of checks you can include into this conversation of, you know, truly coming back into wholeness within yourself. Like, you know, and so I, yeah, I find that vulnerability begins with at least, and I can only speak for my relationship. You know, like I found that for our relationship, truth being the anchor and allowing us to calibrate around what's present today has been one of the most powerful vehicles for creating more intimacy, both with ourselves and each other. And when I say more intimacy with ourselves, it does mean accessing some of those deeper feelings, those deeper fears, those deeper insecurities that we may have like kind of shielded ourselves from. And and I think to me, like, you know, for us, at least like, you know, I've been open about this, but the last few months, like Gina and I have been very openly talking about like, you know, like the biggest fear, like what would happen if we actually broke up? And we've been using that question as a conscious vehicle for uncovering our deepest abandonment wounds, our deepest rejection wounds, our deepest insecurities about the future, our deepest insecurities about marriage and what marriage even means to both of us. Like it's, it's been a really profound teacher and very uncomfortable. But the truth is like there are feelings that we fear we have about the future, about our definitions of marriage, about our needs in relationship that are, are present today. And so, you know, in, in, in the container of truth, like when we can be vulnerable about what we need, when we can be vulnerable about needs not being met, when we can be vulnerable about what we desire, when we can be vulnerable about what we're really afraid of saying, what we're afraid of asking for, what we're afraid of, what we're afraid the other person will think about us if we say this thing, when we're vulnerable about what is actually true and we're not trying to put on this facade, we gift ourselves the incredible opportunity to not only inspire vulnerability in the other, but you give yourself the gift of calming your nervous system. Like I really feel like one of the things we've been realizing over the last year with our project with humans are good and liberate and the communities we're creating for people to do this type of work together is like when there's a space where you can be witnessed in your vulnerability there's this weird thing that happens in the, your nervous system that I cannot explain. Like I, I'm sure I've team I have scientists on my team that can explain that, but I can't. Like there's this like almost like this wave of calm that just washes over you after you actually feel the feeling. And I think there's something really beautiful in that. Like when we can truly allow ourselves to feel the feelings that are accompanying like the fear of being seen the fear of being seen by another for all that we are. And then, you know, the deeper fear of that is if I'm seen as all as I am and I'm still not chosen. Wow. That's the deepest cut for me, right? Like if I'm honest and open about what I need in relationship and what I desire in relationship and it's not received and she's like, no, I don't want that. Now all of a sudden me being my most authentic self is not desired. And that to me has created a really beautiful opportunity to explore like, okay, like, Where are those fears of abandonment and rejection coming from? Like, am I afraid of like, what am I afraid will happen if that's true? If that's true, that like, what I make that mean about myself and that exploration is mine and mine. And that is a gift for me to do for myself. Because if I can truly release that, then conversations about the future don't actually trigger me. And how does that then translate into every other part of your life? It makes you more, it it makes me a better entrepreneur. It makes me more trusting of the universe and being able to truly actually like play with different parties and trust that everything is on time, even if I don't think it is. There's this thing that can happen when we allow ourselves to go deep into vulnerability. And when personally, I'm using my intimate relationship as the container to do that. But when we can lean into that, it makes a trickle down impact on every other part of our lives. And I've seen this to be true in in other couples that also use their intimate relationships as that container. Because I do believe that there's something about those deeper cuts of rejection and abandonment, like being rejected for being your most authentic self. Like there's a cut there as a society, I feel that I think if we 
if we leaned in and actually began to to look at and hold space for and heal and feel, the trickle down impact of that is pretty enormous, I believe. Like I really feel like healing those deeper cuts is what our souls are craving at this stage of our collective evolution. That's what people are waking up to. Like this is why like yeah, I think this is what psychedelics help open up. You know, it's like they open up more awareness of these things. Like this is what meditation, breath work, all these different tools, like they open you up, like all these mind body tools that are now being available, you know, like people are like, Oh, I want the thing to do. I want to do healing. Yeah. They're out there. But to me, this is actually like what our nervous systems are asking for. Like this is liberation. This is the difference between healing and liberation. Like healing to me is all those tools, the meditations, the mind, like you can do the healing work, but liberation requires this type of exploration, this type of a journey. And I think this is what creates the lasting shifts in health. This is what creates the lasting shifts in relationship. This is what creates the lasting shifts. in. I think this is what's going to actually shift the fabric of our society because we're going away from the doing model to the being model and the enoughness model. And I think that is what, that's at least what I see. This is what I'm really inspired to empower and create. I think this is what I'm empowered to talk about. And this is, this is what I'm excited to explore deeper in my own life. And I think you're right. I think at a fundamental level, we, we want to be seen. We want to be free to be who we really are. And theoretically, that makes so much sense. For example, we can look at nature and be like, oh, the rose can only be the rose. But when it's fully expressed, it's the most beautiful it is. But um, I think a lot of us have been conditioned to be certain ways or to hide certain traits or to have to show certain things to be accepted or to be successful, to get by or to get along, et cetera. And so, you know, we're all kind of layered in this this mask of inauthenticity. And often we don't even realize those masks are on us until you're in situations where you do notice, oh, why am I holding myself back or why do I feel uncomfortable now? Why am I like smiling or laughing because I feel awkward? And I think you're right, the more we can shift those masks and really get closer and closer to who we are like who we really are not who society says we should be but who we are at that core that's got tremendous knock-on effects because then we can just be authentic we say what we really mean and do the things we care about and i believe that authenticity human beings when they're truly in their most connected heart-based authenticity they want to do good they want to love others. They want to health. I actually believe that humans are good. I believe inherently we are good. We have conditions of fear that we learn and layer on top. We have personas that we develop as a result of our upbringings because of what we think we need to do. Think, again, this is not a feel, what we think we need to do in order to be safe and accepted. And being safe and accepted as a child, it could mean like if I piss off my parents, I will get thrown out. Like there's like the child brain that's truly like, I just need to be safe. So I'm just going to create these personas. And then we carry these personas into our lives, right? And then when we're starting to connect with other people, it's actually persona to persona, not heart to heart. And I think that I just reread or I've read it like three times now because it's literally like one of my favorite books right now. It's called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And he talks a lot about, you know, this very concept, this concept of personas and like why we sabotage and this idea of an upper limit problem. Like when things are going really great, your mind doesn't actually recognize what's experiencing, what it's experiencing is safe because it's unfamiliar. So then it actually starts to create behaviors to sabotage and bring you back to a level of chaos that feels very familiar. And so he talks about different examples of that. And in the book, he talked about persona, the word persona that makes up the word personality actually comes from the Latin word mask. Interesting. Right. So it's embedded in our language, actually. Personalities, right? Like, so they're developed. Personalities are developed over time, but there's also a unique soul authenticity that sits beneath all of that. That's an energy. It's a feeling that I think I've been learning more to connect with. Like, this is like, I've been learning to connect to that and then create from there, connect to that, and then like show up from there. And like, to me, there's this like infinite nature of the soul's qualities, right? There's infinite compassion. There's infinite like connection. There's infinite calm and clarity. There's infinite confidence and creativity. 
there's infinite natures of, of those qualities in our souls. Like when we're truly connected to our higher selves, we can call it higher self, we can call it our God self, we can call it this part of us that that's connected to something so much deeper than this idea of us. And I think that's what I'm personally learning to connect deeper to. And when that becomes the foundation, like when I say that the foundation, like that's what I mean is the foundation. And for me, it took a lot of unraveling to get there, right? Like I had to walk out, walk away from a nine year relationship. I had to walk away from a lot of people and things and relationships and French. I had to really kind of shift my life. And it took me a few years to like actually change my life to where it wasn't something that was built from my personality and my mind, but it was something that was built from the foundation of my soul. And it was scary, very scary at the time. But all of that was the most potent medicine of all. Like that was the liberation. Like to me, that path of trusting that this, what I'm committing to myself, this part of me, this energy that I know is true can include so much more. And that is the path of liberation. Like I really truly feel like liberation captures that word for me because it's this feeling like it's different than healing. It's this feeling of, of truly actually expanding in the direction of our heart's deepest desires, which a lot of times we're not even aware of consciously, right? And the mind is protecting us so much from deep intimacy. The mind protects us so much from deep vulnerability. The mind protects us so much from being seen. The mind protects us so much from trying something we've never done before or that's never been done before. The mind is constantly protecting us from this soul's evolution. And that's why I believe that the this path of the inner work is not letting the fear in our minds actually be in the driver's seat. It's elevating our consciousness to where our souls are in the driver's seat. And we've learned how to navigate fear, to manage adversity, to be with our nervous systems and regulate them in the moment so that we can consciously step into the greatest forms of love that we were born to express. Totally. I'm here for that. I want to know who I really am. Like, who am I really? Not the version that's been shaped by society and systems, but like, who am I at my essence? And I think that's why this kind of conversation, this kind of episode, that process of reflection in itself is just that moment of pause, like pausing, getting introspective, going within, and asking yourself questions because our lives are so filled with noise from whether it's social content or media. We're just constantly surrounded by so much input. And sometimes our true voice can get drowned out as a result of that. So taking this time to be introspective and with journaling as you do and the reflection time that you take to really listen. Like, who are you? What's wanting to be expressed? Like, where are you holding yourself back? Where's the fear showing up? It's just so empowering because Again, it gets back to that, who are you? Who is that authentic self? Can you be more vulnerable with that authentic self? And I think that's the power of the relationships, right? And is that there's almost a, an embedded sense of safety because in a relationship, you have permission to be vulnerable. You have permission to show more of yourself than you would in maybe other relationships. So you have that opportunity to see how it feels to show a part of you that you're discovering and see how that's received, see how it feels to be expressed and exposed in that new way and be accepted, hopefully, for that aspect of you. I think it's important to create a container because I don't think that all relationships are like that. Gina and I's relationship was not like that when we first started dating. <laughs> I would share something that was true to me and it would trigger the shit out of her. And she would share something that's true to her and it would trigger the shit out of me. But that's the work. Right. Like you could either continue going from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship and just getting triggered and triggered and triggered and triggered by the same shit. Or you can actually learn to be with what is deepen your intimacy with yourself, release the energies and recalibrate your nervous systems to where they don't see rejection and abandonment as fight or flight. That is actually what our brains are doing. It's like, Oh my God, I'm being rejected fight or flight, which is this old nervous system response that was imprinted in childhood or probably before even childhood. Epigenetically, if your parents or your grandparents had these fears and they didn't resolve them, it just passed through your DNA. So like to me, like 
these fears that are archaic because rejection and abandonment does not mean fight or flight. It just means what it means. It's like there's the conversation of like what's happening in the container and then there's these deep nervous system responses and these beliefs and these stories that get to be released, recalibrated, integrated, you know, whatever word you want to use. But this is to me the work. And you can bring in different tools to help you see different sides of this, but it's getting to a greater level of integration and you actually learning how to calm and release and regulate your own nervous system. Like that to me is, and you taking responsibility for that. Like that to me is the hard part in relationship, right? Like, so like people who don't want to take responsibility for this work will play the victim and they will jump from relationship to relationship or they just won't have a connected relationship. If you want to have a connected, nourished relationship, which I think all of us deep down do, we're just afraid of this, this like, or we're not taught how to do this, right? So I think it, it takes that one level of ownership on both sides that, hey, we're going to sit in this together. And there's a great book on, you know, navigating conflict. I think it's called Getting to Zero by Jason Gaddis. I had him on my podcast twice or maybe three times actually at this point. And he talks about navigating conflict. That's a great resource if, you know, you're in a relationship where it's like, and that book actually is the first place I realized, you know, when there's two parties that are fully triggered, the goal is not to actually win the argument or to get to a resolution in the argument. The goal is to help the other person feel safe because when you can actually help move through the energy that's dysregulated, that thinks that this conversation is fight or flight. You can come back to the conversation later and actually resolve it with a rational mind. You know, this stuff is, it takes practice. It's messy, but I think the dojo of relationship is a safe, to me, a safer place to be messy than like the dojo of the world. That's what I found for myself, right? Like I can practice my fears of being seen with Gina. And when I, when I resolve and integrate and liberate myself from any conditions and conditioning that were there. I can step into my work. In, my, in fact, I don't think I would be doing the work I'm doing in the world right now if I didn't have the container of Gina. Like she has absolutely been the most powerful mirror and supporter and like person to like help me actually become the man and embody some of the, the traits that I do now that can be expressed in the world at the way that they do. And so like I, I think there's something to be said about that too. Like you can use work and creation as your dojo, that's totally fine. I think it's a lot harder for me, at least, to like fully be seen, like just fully naked because, you know, you have so many stakeholders that you're responsible for, you know, like you have team members you're responsible for, you have investors you're responsible to, you have all these different players, you have customers and, you know, there's a lot of different players, collaborators, partners, like a lot of different factors, but your intimate relationships with one person. It's like there, and to be honest, like we learn a lot of our deep core emotional wounding, either from our family dynamics growing up from parents or epigenetically from like ancestral dynamics. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are done in like that container. And so that's why that's another reason why I think conscious relationship, I think is one of the, the most effective places to, to really truly actually create lasting shifts. And that's why I choose that container to me. Like, that's why I prioritize, like we prioritize the relationship. And when things are off with us, like that, like, like right then and there, it's like, why are we off? Like, Hey, I'm feeling you're off. Like something is off between us. Like I can feel it, whether it's in our intimacy or in like our communication patterns or our desire to be away from each other for long, it might manifest in different ways. And I think learning to cue in there and keep that container has led to a lot of profound spiritual growth for myself because it's an op- they're all opportunities to go deeper and deeper for me, which then translates as the ability to go deeper and deeper in life. Yeah, because instead of like pushing it down or pushing off or denying it or pretending, oh, it will just blow over. Like if you just get right in when you feel it in that moment, it's the best place to transform stuff. It's, that's such a beautiful practice to have. Yeah. Like I said, it's taken us years. Like I wouldn't say we're, we started out this way. It's took a years of us practicing, reading, you know, learning from other teachers and, and looking for models of, of healthy conscious relationship. Yeah. And we're still not perfect. <laughs> we're, figuring our shit out. we're figuring our shit out. Like it is, 
You know, we last week we had, you know, several triggering conversations for me at least. And, you know, over the months we've certainly had several and it's been really beautiful because I feel like each time we step into the dojo of those intimate, vulnerable spaces, we get better at holding space for each other and truly actually meeting each other where we're at. And so it takes that practice too, that commitment, like, you know, you put your hours in the gym, like the first time you, and this is a message for everything. I think like, you know, with, you know, I've never actually raised capital before. And like every business I've ever built has been bootstrapped for my own funding. But this one, because of the nature of it and because of how it's being built and the potential, like I really wanted to bring in investors. I've never pitched products before. I've never done this before. My first ever presentation sucked. It was terrible. And it's funny, yesterday I was like showing my deck to Gina and she was like, holy shit, Raj, you've come a long way. Like from the first time I presented it. And I look at, you know, Stay Grounded, the first episode I ever did. In fact, the first episode I ever did isn't even episode one, just so you guys know, because I was so afraid of that first one. Like you guys, like I just, I was afraid of it, like flopping on the first one. If I released my actual first episode, I'm not going to tell you which is my first episode, but, and so I think it's the same with being seen and practicing holding space and learning to meet your partner instead of just like be there in like a disconnected fashion. There's a lot of nuances to this game of intimacy with self and other that I I think takes tremendous levels of practice. And I think that's where the self-love journey comes into. Like you learn to forgive yourself when you're messy, right? Like, oh, fuck, I said the wrong thing again. Damn it. And it's like, that's an opportunity to love yourself and trust that everything is perfect. Like you didn't say the wrong thing. You said the thing you needed to say, and it created an opportunity for the other person to experience their trigger. Okay. Well, how are we going to navigate this? How are we going to continue deepening, right? So it's it's the same principles for me, entrepreneurship, relationship, or creation, not entrepreneurship, but creation, I think. Creating something in the world that hasn't been created. Doing something you've never done before. Meeting someone else in ways you've never met. You know, it's like all these layers. It's the upper limit. Like when we push our edges, it's it's all, it's, you're the common denominator and you're sharpening your own skill sets and your own abilities to handle different levels of stress and adversity. So. So if you had to like weave a thread through the last couple of months, what theme would you pull out? Well, I think there's two threads, but I, maybe they might be connected. So I'll just riff here because I actually haven't had a chance to like really integrate this part of my reflection yet. So I think with creation, it was like coming off of Burning Man and then like moving through all those fears of being seen and then like putting myself out there and it being messy. And like we had tech issues show up. We had like, sign up issues show up. We had all these like things we didn't foresee. We couldn't have foreseen. So it's like going through that process of like, and now where I'm at today is like feeling very confident being messy. Like I've shifted my belief systems around that messiness and I'm really leaning in to trust that this vision is coming to life, whether it's coming to life in the way that I want to or not, it's coming to life. And leaning into that message and that is an opportunity to release the things that release the attachments, release the beliefs, release the conditionings, the fears, the anxieties that the nervous system responses and cal- like that are not in alignment with the creator that I desire to be. And then in relationship, really deepening with every trigger that shows up in relationship, there's a deeper cut of rejection and abandonment that I work through. Like those are the core to wounds that keep showing up when I do my work, when, you know, I log my triggers and I do, when I go through my processes and my mapping and I, when I actually try and map them back to like to what's happening in my life, like the threads, the common patterns, not just over the last two months, but over even the last years, like several years is like those fears of being rejected when I'm seen fully, the fear of doing my best and it's still not being enough, like in relationship and in work. And every time I feel an activation or a fear or a trigger show up, like actually sitting with it, and moving through it. And what I'm seeing as a pattern is that I'm getting better at sitting with it. So like two months ago, I was very uncomfortable sitting in certain feelings. And just as of last week, like able to have conversations or being in conversations with Gina around certain topics that normally would so deeply trigger me, but I was able to really be in my heart and be in my own trigger in the experience and not be in the trigger from a place of blame, but be in the trigger from a place of like, connection and compassion for myself and her. And I see that trend. So I think 
in both ways, I think the pattern, the through line for me is that I'm learning to shift this common core sort of energetic thread that's present in my life. And I'm integrating it into something that's more useful and more alignment with the life and the relationships that I want to create. And I'm allowing both my relationship and my creation to teach me and be the guiding North Star as to where I get to release and liberate and where my work is. It's like that is the continuing thread that keeps coming through for me. And and now I'm getting to, because of that, I think I'm today in this moment as I'm stepping into November, I'm, I'm really able to actually access some deeper, deeper, deeper concepts. Like I'm starting to go back to birth and pre-birth and really I'm having conversations with my mom and, you know, what was life like when I was in her belly? And, you know, I'm actually learning to explore a deeper level of my own upbringing. Recently I had a lady on my podcast who started talking about preconception and conception and how that all plays a role in like the way that babies consume imprints and how the conditioning begins well before we're born. And uh, so I'm opening up myself to deeper layers, but I think the through line is creation and, and relationship. Those are the two areas that I think myself, well, I think most people, but I think for me, that's where my, my edges are in this moment in time. Awesome. Last question. How did you stay grounded these last few months? Well, I think uh, truly actually getting help from people, accountability, help from people. Like when I really need help, I just ask for it. When I really need the accountability, I ask for it. But then also like, to be honest, like Dispenza's meditations have been huge for me. His morning meditation has been so profoundly clearing like it there's something about his meditations for me that just clears so much noise in my system and it like helps me actually connect to vision and it helps me connect to like the a memory of the future instead of like an echo of the past and like and i think there's something really profound about that man and what he teaches and the way he teaches and the impact he's making in the world as a result of that and I think really connecting to his meditations has been very helpful and useful for me. And and I think a bigger, for me, that's the consistent practice of connecting to my own energy. Like I can tell the difference between like when I'm frantic in my mind, which is like noisy versus like being connected in my heart and being connected to a vision and being connected to this greater frequency that I feel like is flowing through me. And I think my work in staying grounded has been surrendering to that instead of like being here. So when I feel myself go up here, like using different tools to surrender into this feeling that I have in my body, that I can like feel the energy of what we're creating, that I can feel the energy of where Gene and I are going. I can feel the energy of like infinite possibility instead of this construct in the mind that is very much focused on what I need to know or this very much like, contract of the mind, which is like projecting a future based on what I've already experienced. And it's like surrendering both of those and truly connecting to infinite potential that sits behind both the conscious and the unconscious minds. It's like this field that I, I think is, I mean, Joe Dispenza called it the quantum, you know, you can call it the field, you can call it whatever frequency of liberation. I've been calling it a lot of different things, but I think it's all the same. It's like this this universal energy that I am interpreting in myself and the way I connect to that energy is my own unique. It's like my own blueprint. It's like my own. And when I can connect to that and then connect to other people or create from there, I think that's how I stay grounded. I come alive. In fact, like I come alive when I'm in that energy and I'm serving people from that energy or I'm connecting from energy or I'm inspiring from that energy. I'm teaching from energy. I'm recording a podcast from that energy. Like, and I think when I'm there, I'm inherently grounded. Like I don't have to actually like practice staying grounded. Like I am grounded. I am embodying that energy that is truly me and mine. And no one, like it's mine. It's my energy. And I get to fully fucking own my energy. And that, even that saying that out loud feels very grounding to me. Like no one can take my energy away from me. And if they do, I haven't set powerful enough boundaries or I haven't spoken my truth. And that's how I stay grounded. And I plan to continue staying grounded and evolving as 
the month and months come. And uh, I missed you, Georgina. I've missed these conversations. And I love where you're at. I just love the way you synthesize these reflections and, you know, and you reflect back what's true to you. What's present for you right now? I'd love to know. I've really been feeding into what you were just saying about how to stay grounded. And I, I'm getting a deeper and deeper sense that it's so important to connect with the truth of who you are, that essence of who you are. And I feel like my job is to be that version of myself at a bigger and bigger level. It's nice that you ended on that, that we need to that doing that work to connect with, with our truth and live from that perspective and tap into that as a form of creativity so that we're creating what's present rather than like just remnants of the past. That feels really powerful. Yeah. Creating from what's true. I think that's what the world needs, right? Like when you connect to what's true in this moment and you create from that space, you're actually creating from the will of life. It's like, it's like the, the universal, like intuition, I feel like is the universe speaking through you. So when you're connected to your intuition, your energy, that is what I think creates the, the next wave of, of expansion. So, all right, well, this has been lovely. Thank you for again for holding incredible space and engaging such a beautiful conversation, asking amazing questions, Georgina. I so appreciate you. You're welcome. Everybody, that is a wrap for this month's reflection episode and this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your old friend, Georgina. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.